You also have a card on your chair at the end of the service, at the end of the message. I'm going to encourage you and invite you to become a member. You can become a member of Harborside Christian Church. And uh, there's a whole bunch of spiritual reasons for that. God's created the church. God has a local church. But maybe you've been coming for 15 years. Some of you have been coming for years, and you just never got around to the monthly membership class that we have called Next. Um, You can do that today. Maybe you've been coming for six months, and you like the church, you like what you see, and you feel good about this. You can join today. Maybe you've been coming for two weeks. And you're like, I don't, I think I like these people. I'm not real sure. Um, just relax. We do this every month. Just relax, soak this in, and take, take this in today. But there's an application, and I'm going to make this as easy, as convenient for you today uh, as possible. Now, w- one of the reasons why I want to do this today is because everybody needs a sense of belonging, And in our fast-paced world that's out of control, very few times and very few environments and very few cultures do we actually feel like we belong. And God has created the church. He calls it the bride of Christ. He calls it the body. And in this body, he wants you to have a sense of belonging. And so as a pastor, what I want for you is I I want you to feel like you, you connect And this is a place where you're at peace. And all of us in our lives need that that great sense of of belonging. And maybe you don't have that in your family. Maybe you don't have that in your marriage. And maybe you don't don't have that at school, that that sense of belonging. Well, we we want you to have it at, at church. Now, how many of you in the room are true extroverts? How many of you are extroverts in the room? Okay. How many of you are introverts in the room? And then the rest of you, if you don't know it, you're kind of in the middle. How, how many of you are, are left over? You're kind of in between an extrovert and an introvert? Okay, only about seven extroverts raised their hand, so seven of you are going to understand what I'm getting ready to say next. And th- those of us that are extroverts in the room, we, we've never met a stranger, and we feel comfortable in every environment just about that we're in. As a little boy, uh, my parents were worried that I was going to run off with somebody and get on a bus and get on a plane with somebody. You know, that home alone was not a stretch for me. And, and, and my, my, oldest, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, Emily, was over here on the stage a minute ago, and you know, she's quit going to the YMCA with me because she said, Dad, you talk to everybody, and we, we can't even work out, and we're there to work out if you didn't know that. I thought we were there to meet people personally. Then my oldest daughter, Erica, and my wife, Danita, when we go into Starbucks, they both say, it's okay. You don't have to introduce us to 25 people. Really, we're good. If we see somebody we know, we'll smile. It kind of offended me. We'll smile. Just, just leave us alone, you know? So, so as an extrovert, we're comfortable in most situations. But I'll never forget when I graduated from college. And I left this non-denominational school, and then I go to a very large denominational uh, seminary, a graduate school. It's a three-year program. And I'll never forget how I felt. Now, I feel like I fit in just about anywhere. If I do a wedding, there's 150 new people. My goal is to meet 149 of them that night and try to remember their names. But those three years, I'd never fit 
I never belonged. Great education. I was single the first year and just thought, well, maybe it's because we're so busy studying all day long. Married the second year, married the third year. I'm still married, but married the second and third year of that experience. And, and I, 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 Denise and I, we both came to the same conclusion. These are wonderful people, but they're not our people. We just, we don't fit in with this real high church, religious kind of atmosphere, culture. It's just not what we, gag me. I mean, it's just, it's just not what we're about. And so I had even a couple of offers to go that direction. It was a really quick, easy no. We're not, we're not, that's not who, who, who we are. And so all of you in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are introverts and less than extroverts, you really know what I'm talking about because there's, a, there's multiple situations where you just don't feel comfortable. Well, as a church, that's what we want. We want you to have that, that warm, fuzzy feeling. We want you to come to a, an environment of peace because we've all been in those situations where we didn't feel good. School, Work, different department, maybe a marriage, maybe a family reunion. I've had many of those at family reunions. I've looked around at family reunions. God, am I really related to all these people? They're crazy. Maybe it's a small church. Maybe you've gone to a small church. You ever been on vacation and you've left a church like this and you've gone to a small church of like 80 people? And, you, and they all know that you're a visitor. They know you're a guest because there's no other guests there. And the old men are wearing the 70 leisure suits, and you, you look kind of modern. And so everybody knows you're a guest, and nobody speaks to you. Nobody greets you. You know why small churches are small? Because they don't want you. Everybody thinks a small church is friendly. I, I've been some of the meanest churches of my entire life that have been under 100 people. You know I'm telling the truth, aren't I? And everybody thinks that a big church is unfriendly. It's just the opposite. They're small for a reason, right? They've decided that they don't want anybody else to come and and give them new ideas and mess up the way that they do life. So we've all had those feelings. We all know what it feels like. Well, for a long time, all the people who were outside of the Jewish nation They were disqualified from God. If you weren't a Hebrew, if you weren't an Israelite, if you weren't part of the chosen people, you were like on the outside, and you were called a foreigner. You were called an alien. You were not able to come. In fact, if you came into Jerusalem and you are a Gentile, which probably most of us in this room are, but you came into Jerusalem, there was this wall. It was four and a half feet tall, four and a half feet high, and it went three quarters of a mile in this perimeter, and it had these huge stone slabs, 13 stone slabs written in Greek and written in Latin on both sides, and it basically said, if you're not Jewish and you go past this dividing wall, it's punishable by death. And so for years and years and years, all of these people who were non-Jewish were not qualified to go past the court of Gentiles into the court of the Jews, into the, to the, where the men were in the holy place and the most holy place. It, they, they were disqualified from service. Along comes Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to say, come in, let's belong. Jesus was this amazing uniter and this incredible unifier. 
And all of a sudden, Jesus began to elevate women, women that weren't elevated, women way down here. And Jesus begins to ratchet up the value of women. And Jesus began to say that children were important, and he, he highly valued children. And that the men that were not very good, these guys that were bad, they could actually get in. And the guys that were good and thought that they were in, they were actually out. And Jesus began to celebrate with all these tax collectors and these sinners. Jesus began to do life with the very people that you thought were out. And the people you thought were in were disqualified. And Jesus comes and he just changes how everybody began to view God and the system. And Jesus turned on lights and he built bridges and began to communicate who God was. So now go fast forward 30 more years. 30 more years have gone by and these group of Gentiles now are all in. They're all in. They're all in with their time. They're all in with their money. They're all in with their service. Now they got to raise kids and go to school and do jobs and milk the cows. They're busy, busy people. But this group of Gentile people in today, which is today modern day Turkey, they're all in because they recognized that they were out and now they're in. They were so far disqualified, but because of Jesus, now they're on the inside and they felt like they belonged and they were connected in such a powerful and such a potent way. I mean, it was like it was like too good to be true. It's like you don't think you're going to make the team and you end up becoming the captain. You don't think that you're even going to go to, to homecoming and you become the queen. You think you're out of the will and when the parents die, you found out you were the executor. It's too good to be true. And so 30 years after Jesus died, buried, resurrected, and ascended, there's this letter to these Christians in this modern-day Turkey, city of Ephesus, and it's reminding them that you belong. You, you belong. And because you belong, their lives were, were, were never the same. You see, that's what I know church does. Church changes your life. None of us are the fourth member of the Trinity. None of us. We're all people who've been called out of darkness and we come into this community together and we do life together. We love, we help, there's grace, there's truth. We pray, we push, we pull, we honor, we encourage, we support. This, this, this is church. This is to be an environment. So as a pastor, what I want for you is I want you to have a place and a, and a group of people. I belong. I fit in here. I, I, I'm not perfect. But man, do I feel good about my relationship with God and my relationship with God's people. And so he begins to remind them in the, the first chapter about all these incredible spiritual blessings that they have. And again, we, we read Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm not sure we get it because we're in. But if you've been out for all these years and all of a sudden, in fact, Ephesians chapter 1, there's like 14 different spiritual blessings that he begins to list. You've been predestined. You've been adopted. You've been covered by the blood. You've been redeemed. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And all of a sudden, all these people who were Gentiles, who were way, 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 way out, way disqualified, they, they get to come in. And so if you like, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 11, Ephesians 2, verse 11, and kind of walk through some of this. He just says, you guys remember? You remember that you were formerly who are called, who are Gentiles by birth, and you're called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. That's kind of funny. He has to explain circumcision to Gentiles. If you don't get circumcision, okay, ask somebody who's got a name tag on what it means. I'm not going to explain it. Remember, (laughs) see, we're not very religious as a church, but we love Jesus, okay? Uh, You were separated from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to, see, you were separated. You were excluded. You were foreigners. You were without hope, and you were without God in this world. Look at the next verse. But now, two big words, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you didn't have a prayer. You weren't chosen. But now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. The next verse. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. Remember that wall I was talking about earlier? That four and a half foot wall that went three quarters of a mile, 13 stone slabs, don't go past here. This is what they're talking about. He's destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. If you were a Gentile, you could not go past the wall, okay? By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And his purpose, this was his whole purpose, was to create one new humanity, Jews and Gentiles, out of two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, look at that verse. Folks, is that not one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible? For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, foreigner, alien, we have access to the Father by one spirit. That's a good verse, and that's power, that's church, that's the body, that's, that's who, we are, who we are and who we are designed to be. I'll never forget um, when I became a Christian. It was a great season in my life. Um, we were not church people. We didn't go to church a lot. Uh, a Speedway, Indiana police officer invited my dad to a campus crusade for Christ Bible study, and he went. I thought the world was coming to an end. My mother was so happy. They went to this Bible study for about six months. They became Christians. I became a Christian. And then I, I got pushed out of a group of guys. So I've been playing hoops with these guys for, for several years. Fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. And we won. We won championships every year. We beat every other middle school and now high school in in the state of Indiana. Three of us went on and played college basketball. The other two guys could have gone on and played college basketball. They they, they just didn't go to college. But when I became a Christian, and I'm kind of all or nothing guy, 
not that my wife appreciates that. I don't have a middle gear. I'm either all or nothing. I'm all in or I'm done. It's, it's one of the two. And so I did the same thing when I was a freshman in high school. I was all in. I couldn't believe that Jesus had saved me from my sin. I, I, this was too good to be true. And I'm sure I pushed those four guys too hard. I'm sure I didn't handle it the right way. I probably said things about we're going to stop cussing and we're going to stop talking about girls this way and we're going to start. And, and those four guys wanted nothing to do with Christ. And they just kind of pushed me right out of, that, of, their, of their inner circle. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget how I felt. But at the same time, we started going to Chapel Rock Christian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. At the same time, there were some incredible youth coaches and youth sponsors. And Bob White, older guy, worked for Coca-Cola, got involved in my life. Bill Wilhelm, a chemist from Eli Lilly, got involved in my life. Gary Black, the youth pastor, got involved in my life. And I can't tell you how, how that changed every. I didn't fit. I, I was ostracized. But now all of a sudden, I'm received by the church. And I'm received by the church people. And I met a friend of mine by the name of David Hunt. And uh, kind of the same background. His parents, you know, weren't all that dialed into it. But David fell in love with Christ and the church. And David and I have been friends for over 40 years. He and I have been friends together. And so here, here's what the scriptures say in Ephesians 2. Look at this next couple of verses. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're now fellow citizens with God's people. And you're also members now of God's household. And he talks about our key word today, which is cornerstone. And Dave even sang that song for us earlier about the cornerstone. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, why is that significant? Jesus is called the chief cornerstone. It comes from Psalm 118, verse 22, a prophetic scripture from Psalms. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the chief cornerstone was the main block of a building. It was the first stone, and all the weight, all the, the weight of the structure rested on the chief cornerstone. And, and, and what Paul is saying is, is basically everything rises and falls on Jesus. He is the chief cornerstone. That stone sets everything in place. That stone, everything's measured by it. That stone is the stone that we depend upon. That's the stone that we rest upon. That's the big stone. And everything depends upon that, the stone that the builders rejected. You see, if it weren't for him, none of us would even be in the building, right? If it weren't for him, he's the one that gets us to where we need to be. So Jesus makes a statement. He says, I will build my church, and not even the gates of Hades will prevail against it. And so we understand that the church was Jesus' design and, and God's idea. And so God, I, I want to say this, kind of, I want to get this in, because I think this is an important little trivia, okay? So if this is like a, like, like a, a, a pitch from the outer, outer field, it is. But give me just two minutes. See, what happens is, we kind of tend to think that, that the church is like, if, if, if the church doesn't exist, then, then everything's going to fall apart. 
And I used to preach that. I used to preach there is no plan B. The church is it. And if the church, the church is only one generation away from extinction. I used to preach that because I heard other, people, other preachers preach that. And I got to thinking that through. That isn't right. God is on mission. God has always had a mission. He just happens to use the church. But God has this overarching, incredible mission to help people to find him, to fall in love with him, evangelism, discipleship, honoring people. God is on mission. God has always been on mission. Do you get this? Do you see the difference? It's not that the church is the mission. God is on mission, and God has a church. And that's why the local church is so important. Bill Hybels says this best. The local church is the hope of the world when it's working right. And so how do we make the church work right? Well, we become healthy. We become a healthy church. And so on your card right now, if you want to look at this, I want to fill in a couple of these blanks for you and you look on the back side of it. And I want to talk about what does it mean to be a healthy church? So here's our commitment to you. If, you. if you feel like the Lord's leading you to join our church, here's what we commit to you. So here's our commitment. Number one. I think, and we all think as pastors and staff and elders, we think that healthy churches help people make sense out of life. Again, not that we have all the answers and we don't have everything filled in and we don't have it all worked out, but, but as a church, we're, we're doing this life together. And how, how do we help people make sense out of life? Well, I think that's what a healthy church does. Number two, I think a healthy church assists people with vital connections. Again, there's that sense of belonging. And we want you to have three vital connections. One is God, one is God's people, and one is is the church. And so there are three vital connections that we work really hard on. Vital connections. Number three, healthy churches are filled with godly integrity. Again, none of us are the fourth member of the Trinity. But you should expect us to have, have great character, and you should expect us to have godly integrity. That's, that's the kind of character that your leaders should have. So we work real hard on, on integrity. Number four, we seek God's will for his church. And I, this, one, this one troubles me. I mean, I, as a leader, I can come up with a three-year plan. That's easy. But what's God's three-year plan? What's God's next six-week plan? What, what is God? So as, as leaders, it's easy to come up with a plan. Every leader in the room can come up with a three-year plan. But what, what's, what's God's direction? And again, as a leader, I used to come up with all these plans and then ask God to bless them. Now I've figured out I need to ask God what he wants me to do first, and then he blesses everything along the way, rather than I come up with a plan and ask him to bail me out. Does that make sense? So let me just add a little bit more to this about worship and contribute, and and let's go to the next section. So what does a healthy church do? Well, a healthy church has people who worship, and they do what? They show up, basically. They come on a regular basis, and a bunch of you are going to come at 7 o'clock to the breakfast. Sorry. And number two, you pursue Christ. That's what a healthy church does when it comes to worship. What's the next one? about contribute. Go to the next one. We connect. We connect with God. How, how do we connect with God? We're, we're, that's why we're trying to get you to pray. We're trying to get you to read the Bible. We, we want you to have an intimate relationship with Christ. And then number two, you connect with God's people. And we do a lot of that through small groups and through service groups. 
Then we contribute. Number three, we contribute, we give financially, and we serve somewhere. Healthy churches have people who financially contribute and who serve and who who are dialed into service and they, they serve somewhere. All right, so that's kind of our commitment. Now, so what do we expect from you? If that's our commitment to you, what is your commitment to to the church? Well, let's look at number three. I commit to join the mission of the church. So that's like what we're doing today. That's going to fill out an application, a membership application. I, I want to join. I don't know that I like the word church membership because you can be on a church, you can join a church and not be involved. And, you know, you read in the newspaper, so-and-so was a member of so-and-so church. Well, did they ever go? No. They're just on the rolls. Well, so I like to use the word join the mission. I believe God is on mission and that we all should be a part of the mission. So we join. Number two, we embrace the core values of the church. And we have five core values. And you can go online, you can look at those, but the very first core value is called biblical authority. And we submit to biblical authority. We submit to and surrender to uh, the authority of the scriptures. And number three, go ahead. We own the vision. We own it. Uh, Our vision is to lead children, youth, and adults into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is our vision. And number four, we're going to invite others to do the same and to be a part of all this. So, um, I'm going to share just a couple more verses uh, with you. Ephesians 2.19, look at this again. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. You get to be fellow citizens, and you get to be members. Verse 20, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That's the church. And in him, you two are being built together. It's the together part I want us to catch. You as an individual are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, synergistically, what we can accomplish together is far greater than what any individual in this room could ever accomplish on his or her own. And so we come together and we pray. We come together and we honor. We come together and we pour into children. I mean, I mean, if you got a better place to pour in, you pour into children. You pour into students. We do outreach locally. We do outreach globally. And we pour into each other and we support each other and love each other and we help each other. That's what the church is all about. Those four other guys that I played hoops with. Billy, Billy just divorced his fourth wife. I could go right down to all four of them. And all four of those guys have never come to Christ. All four of those guys have never dialed into the church. And all four of those guys' lives are a disaster, an absolute train wreck. All four of them. And it breaks my heart because of the pain and, and all the turmoil and the wake of, of distress that these guys have caused to women and to children and probably the work environment as well. But you contrast that to David Hunt. 
He and I became friends 40 years ago. We talk once or twice a week on the phone. He's a great man of God. We, we, we got some Bible studies that we even do over the phone together. And he buys some materials and he sends them to me. Hey, Parker, I got this new Bible study. It's on CD. I want you to listen to it. He's an elder in the church in Indianapolis, Indiana. He loves Jesus. He loves the Lord. He's a great man, a great husband, a great father. You just contrast the two of those. And I got to believe it was the church. I got to believe that David getting involved 40 years ago at Chapel Rock Christian Church. I got to believe that the power of all those youth leaders and all that preaching and worship and connection and youth groups has made such a difference in his life. And that's why we want your kids. We want them as young as we can get them. That's why we want your students. That's why we want all of us together just to influence each other and to impact each other for Christ. Well, I'm going to encourage you to fill this out right now if you would. Fill this out if if you'd like to join. You see check number one. I've entered into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and I've been baptized by immersion. We need, need you to be, we need you to be a Christian, and we're going to baptize you if you haven't been baptized. I was sprinkled as a child, but then I was immersed when I was 14. After hearing about the core, uh, after hearing about the mission, core values, and vision, and strategy of Harborside, I would like to become a member. Just check that if you'd like to become a member. If you haven't been baptized by immersion, um, we're going to have our next big beach baptism on April 27th, uh, the week after Easter. I'm praying that the water warms up between now and then. I was in that water yesterday, neck deep, and I could not catch my breath. Denise thought I was having a heart attack. I just couldn't catch my breath. Uh, water was cold. It'll be warmer. If you've not been baptized, go to the Connect desk. And sign up for April 27th. And if the water's cold, Jonathan Adrian will be glad to baptize you <laughs> into the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'll take your profession of faith on the sand. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you would, fill this out. I'm not going to let you off the hook today. And here's why I'm not going to let you off the hook. It may not be this church, and that's okay. But you need to join a church. It doesn't have to be Harborside, but it needs to be the body of Christ. He has saved you so that you can get involved and become a fellow heir of the kingdom. And so I'm going to challenge you. Join a church. Marry a church. Jump into a church. And let the Lord Jesus Christ use your hands and your feet and everything about you. So if you would, fill this out. And if you would, those of you on this side, if you'd pass them that way, just pass them that way. You guys pass them all the way that way on the aisle. And if you would, fill yours out, pass them this way, and then you guys pass it that way. Uh, I really messed this up in first service. You should have seen me. Um, they were clapping and cheering by the end of first service when we finally tried to, tried to get this right. If you all would pass them all the way that way, And if you would pass them all the way that way, we will come and we will collect them and we would welcome you. And if you got questions, that's what our prayer partners are for. But the most important part today is that if you're not a Christian, is to give your life to Jesus. He welcomes you 
and he wants you to be a part of his church, to be a part of his body. So I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me, and I will close us in prayer. Jesus, how can we not honor you? What you've done for us, what you did for us, what you're doing for us, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude today. You are the chief cornerstone. We don't build on any other foundation. We don't lay anything else on it other than what you and the apostles have taught and preached and proclaimed. And oh God, we get to belong. We get that sense of belonging, that that feeling. And I, I want that for all the people here. I want everyone in this room to feel that they belong to you. Or that they will belong to you if they're not a Christian, but they want to become a Christian. I, I want to feel that, I want everybody to feel that when they get baptized into your death, burial, and resurrection. They identify with you the greatest event in all of history. We thank you, King Jesus. You are the cornerstone, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.